Welcome to episode five of the Convos podcast, where we have conversations on a variety of subjects. I'm your host, Matt McNaughton, and I'm here with some friends and members of our church. Today, we've got three special guests with us. Um, we got Natalie Lundberg with us. Hi, Natalie. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Thank thanks for hopping in and chatting with us today. Of course. We've got Lawrence. Lawrence had been on the show before. So Lawrence, you doing all right today? Yep, doing pretty good. Good. And we've got series regular Ben Beck. So I, I don't know what to tell you, Ben, but you might be coming like a, a co-star and we don't have the money for it. So. Well, as long as I get a little like best supporting actor or something at the end of this we might be able to make that happen i think we can make that happen so at least or at least maybe a t-shirt that works too okay all right so today we are having a conversation on the book of acts this is the fifth book of the new testament and when our church reopens back in june on june 21st we wanted to set up a plan that helps people get back into the bible so over the course of a couple of months with everything going on with COVID and family and work and just all the outside pressure that was weighing on a lot of members of our church, we saw that people were slipping out of their Bible reading. So we wanted to do something together that reminded us of the importance of reading the Bible. And it also showed us the mission of the church, and there's no better book to read than the book of Acts. So we're going to talk about the book of Acts today, and we've just finished this reading. It's 28 chapters long. We read a chapter every day. We talked about it in our life groups. Uh, we followed a plan on the Bible app that had great devotional content and allowed for um, some engagement there. So we've been in the book, and I thought it would be appropriate to end our reading by having a couple of us sit down and talking about it and how it affected our lives and why the book of Acts is important to our church, the church today. So let's start off the conversation. The first question I have, um, and I'll start with you, Lawrence, and then anybody else can just chime in with your thoughts, is why is the book of Acts important to the local church? Um, well, I think this is a, a very powerful book. It's a very inspirational book. Um, I think what we see in the book of Acts is kind of outlined um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus was talking to the disciples before he was getting ready to ascend back to heaven. And he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea area and even to the remotest part of the earth and i think that's kind of a very good outline for the book of acts and yeah. i know you know called it the acts of the apostles but really it's kind of the acts of the holy spirit working through the apostles as they serve as uh jesus's witnesses in those areas first in jerusalem then in judea and samaria and eventually spreading to uh the ends of the earth so i think it's a good uh, pattern and picture for us um, as New Testament Christians today, 
of the power that the Holy Spirit has and how we need to rely on that power, uh, rely on God so that we can still be effective witnesses today. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to just kind of set up the whole, the whole book is by looking at that, that verse, the words of Jesus. It starts with Jesus, right? And he's giving them this command to go and make disciples. And you see that played out in the entire book from with Peter at Pentecost and Paul and all the different places he went. And even disciples in Antioch who um, really are, might be second generation believers who are starting churches that send out missionaries. And yeah, that's a great, great summary of the entire book. That's good. What do you, Ben, Natalie? Oh, well, I was just going to say, I think that so many Christians and people that just grow up in a, I'm going to use our quotes, Christian household, we know obviously what Jesus did and they could give you the, the John 3:16 that give you kind of an explanation of that. But it, I think it kind of stops there for a lot of people that don't um, really have good biblical knowledge or, or really are involved in, in the church. Um, this is just such a beautiful way to look at, okay, Jesus died. Um, and then what happened and then what? And we can see here that connection of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, and, and how the Holy Spirit affects us. And, and more to that, even, um, you know, most of us didn't grow up in the Jewish culture. Um, and so this is just so beautiful for us to see how it became something that was spread to the Gentiles. It was spread to yeah. what we would be in that day and time. So um, I think that it's really important for us just to see um, the love that God has for all of us, you know, not just um, Jews, but Gentiles and, and every walk of life and can take anyone from someone who was persecuting Christians to, um, uh, you know, someone who was already like holy of holy. Um, he can take anyone and, and use them for his purpose. That's good. That's good. Ben. Yeah, I think another thing that the Book of Acts does for the church is help us to break down some of the cultural feelings about what church is. Because um, you see Paul and Peter and, and all these apostles going city to city and establishing churches. And for a lot of people, when they think church, they think that building with the cross on top where people come together on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Um, and so understanding on a service level that the church is, is really the gathering of God's people, not a place or, or even, you know, a, a location, but it's actually just the people themselves. Um, but even deeper than that, as you look in Acts, you see what the church does, right? How they care for each other. You know, they're, they're sharing what they need. They're um, caring for Paul while he's in prison. Um, they're caring for people that they don't even know uh, because of the connections through uh, their belief in Jesus and his resurrection. And that's, that idea of church is not what a lot of us think of, but the book of Acts really clearly shows us what, how we should be thinking of it. Right. That's one of the reasons why we wanted to read this book as a church is especially coming out of the strangest season that we as American Christians have ever faced in, in church where we're not gathering for what, three months or so. I mean, there's never been, especially when you want to go to church and you're told you, you can't go and going back to the book of Acts and seeing, okay, this is how the church operated 
right after Jesus ascends into heaven. So Acts is really part two of the book of Luke. It's, it's written by the, the same author. You can read them um, together. That's, that's really probably the best way to read it is just to re- start with Luke 1 and then end in Acts 28. Um, and then Acts 1, you see Jesus. You see that kind of transition scene where it picks up with Jesus on the mountain. He ascends into heaven, gives that command, and the disciples are just looking up. And I like that scene that kind of it's kind of humorous where the angels just like hey why why are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing stop gazing that same the same way he went up he's going to come back and so they go and then they wait on the holy spirit chapter chapter two the holy spirit um comes in like a um rushing wind clothes of fire which is really cool um just seeing how the clothes of fire are connected to the presence of God throughout the entire Bible and how, what that represents there. And then Peter just weeks after he denies Jesus stands up and preaches maybe his first sermon ever and might be his greatest sermon ever. And Holy Spirit uses him to reach people that they could only imagine. You just see it just take off from there and spread end of Acts chapter two, Thousands are added to the church. You see what that church is doing. And it's a reminder for us that this is what our church can look like too. This is probably what our church should look like, where it's it's based in biblical teaching, where we don't have to have fancy buildings and great equipment. It, it is a work of the Holy Spirit in ordinary men and women that go out and reach people with the gospel. So it's just a great, great story, you know, the, all of it, but more importantly, a great reminder of what we're to be. So we've already touched on it, uh, the, the importance of the Holy Spirit in this book. And Lawrence mentioned how we often say, I think even maybe at the top of the book, yeah, so in my Bible it says the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Right. Natalie's already mentioned how the Holy Spirit is, is that um, the continual presence in the life of dis- the disciples and for us. So how did you, what were, what were some ways the, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit stood out to you throughout the book of Acts? Because um, he has mentioned 50, at least 59 times in this book. So he is a, plays a major role obviously, in, in the life of a believer, but in this book. But he's often maybe forgotten about because it's, it's behind-the-scenes work. But how did you see the Holy Spirit at work throughout the book of Acts, and why is his work important for us today? I'll start with Ben. Well, I think the book of Acts reveals how the Holy Spirit is, is more present and active uh, the thing that stuck out to me uh, is several times you see where the Holy Spirit is giving specific instruction, right? Like in chapter 13, uh, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Um, I know there's some other places where it says like the Holy Spirit told them to go here or told them not to go here. Um, and and so seeing a, a clear account of this isn't just guys figuring out what they want to do and what cities they want to go to, but they're really being led very clearly by the Holy Spirit. 
Um, and, and almost every time that the Holy Spirit is doing something, you see that they're fasting, they're praying, they're preaching, they're, they're gathered around God's people and God's word. And that's where they see the spirit being moving them into different directions. Yeah. You see just, uh, one of the things that just struck me as I read through it this time was full of the Holy spirit, full of the Holy spirit. It's, it's referenced quite a few times filled with the Holy spirit. You see they and it was like in chapter four, they're praying for boldness. And it says they were, verse 31, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So you see this, a prayer, Holy Spirit works, and then there's continual boldness. Um, Natalie, what did, what did you see in connection with the Holy Spirit? Um, I mean, you have these ordinary people, right? We have Peter who, kind of like you just mentioned previously, had just denied Jesus and I mean, we've seen him talk many times in the gospel and he wasn't the most eloquent of men. Um, and then we hear this, this amazing speech that he gives, this sermon that he gives, and we know that can't be him. He didn't just automatically change his, you know, his, the way that he speaks, the way that his brain works, but we know that the Holy Spirit's speaking through him. Um, and to, again, touch on someone, Paul. I mean, just look at Paul's whole testimony of, of how he came, um, you know, persecutor to believer, um, we see that that he listened to the Holy Spirit, and um, you know, we we just know that he's taking these ordinary people, these people that shouldn't be, you know, believers, and because of the Holy Spirit, they are they are doing His work. They're they're being being fisher of men. They're delivering these amazing sermons, and it's not because of them. It's a thousand percent the Holy Spirit speaking through them. Yeah, especially when you know the background stories of of someone like Peter. I mean, most of us, if if we went on the rampage that he went on the night that Jesus was arrested, we would often, oh, you know what? He's not capable of doing anything. But Jesus restores that relationship, and then the Holy Spirit does something remarkable. And I think it's really cool that Peter is the one that stands up at Pentecost and is the, really the, the, the voice of the disciples there. I imagine all of them were involved in this, but how he's yeah. the leader. I was going to say, I just love that he chooses the people that you would not expect him to choose, always. It's always the person that is like really that guy that yeah. guy's who you're gonna choose all right and then it's like whoa okay i get it yeah i understand yeah lawrence what about you um yeah i think it's kind of to just continue along the same lines we see the empowering uh, ability of the holy spirit to take ordinary people and and, you know, as Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And I, I think a lot of people in reading through the book of Acts, um, they see the Holy Spirit empowering these apostles to do miraculous things. Um, but really, I think to me, what stands out the most is the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, kind of what we've talked about, to take yeah. someone who you would not expect to be able to do anything for God from humanly speaking, we're looking at that person 
and you know Peter Paul would probably not be on the top of our list of somebody we're thinking oh this is going to be a great evangelist a great pastor a great leader in the church but the power of the Holy Spirit to transform their life to the point where it's almost unrecognizable of who they used to be right like it's um, I'm trying to find the verse here you see that transformation when in verse 13 part of it is their their chapter 13 there we got some people speaking the gospel and they're rejected uh, verse 52 and the disciples were filled with joy and with the holy spirit like the holy spirit does a work in us that that only he can do like not many people are filled with joy when they're rejected right but you see that transformative power and and it's not just and i think you're right lawrence like we maybe we elevate these guys in this book like peter and paul to a different level of christendom but they're they're normal people just like us that god used they're they're obviously vital to the scriptures and the writing of scriptures God's going to use them in a different way than he uses us, but they really leaned into the empowering work of the Holy Spirit every step of the way. And you, and you see it even just how it's contagious, even to the people they were discipling. And for, for us today, I, I don't know why we have gotten away from trusting in that work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we tend to want to do it on our own, venture off and do something on our own. Instead, you see the disciples are, you, they're like tuned in. They want to know, where do we go, Holy Spirit? What do we do? What, what are we, what are you calling us to do? And then he sends them out and they turn the world upside down. So this book, to read it and not see the work of the Holy Spirit is to not get the full picture. Because without the Holy Spirit, this book doesn't happen. It's not written. So another key theme throughout the book is discipleship. And our church is committed to discipleship. And we have, um, that's our mission. That's what we want everybody to do is to go and to be a disciple who makes disciples. And we believe that if you're a part of our church, a disciple is one who connects with other believers because of the gospel. They grow in the power of the gospel and they're an influence with the gospel. And part of our reading was to look at those three strategies of a disciple and see how it's lived out in the book of Acts. But I wanted us to see how important discipleship is in this book. And maybe the greatest chapter on it or the most one of the most pivotal chapters in acts is Saul's conversion you have um, this man in chapter um, nine he is a, uh, a Pharisee he is uh, he's persecuting um, the people of the way which I never caught on how often the way in describing people who follow Jesus was used throughout Acts. So I don't know if we can get back to just calling everybody that they're a part of the way, like maybe introduce some 
terms that Paul used. I don't know. Anyways, um, so he is responsible for persecuting men like Stephen. He's on the scene, and in verse 9, he is ready to go and persecute some more. And while he's on the way there, Jesus stops him in his tracks and says, why are you persecuting me? Which is just important for us to understand that when man persecutes the church, that Jesus fills that as well. Um, and Saul says, hey, uh, who are you? Jesus res responds, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Um, and then essentially tells Saul, this is what you're going to do. No more of this. And Saul goes and is met or meets a man named Ananias. And that story in chapter nine really is just, we talked about it in one of our life groups. It's, it's been my favorite story reading through this because the Lord shows up to Ananias in a vision and says, Hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go meet Saul and I want you to disciple him. And Ananias is like, you mean Saul, the one who kills Christians? Like, you want me to go and meet with that guy? And Jesus is like, yeah, I've got great things planned for him. And Ananias is okay. Like willing to go and obey God, even though it seems very sketchy, right? So Ananias uh, disciples Paul, Saul, you can use those names interchangeably, um, and calls him brother in verse 17. And you see Saul increasing in strength um, and proving that Jesus was the Christ. So you see Ananias pouring into Saul. Then later on in the book of Acts, Saul, uh, Paul is telling his testimony and refers back to Ananias and how Ananias taught him um, what it means to follow Jesus. And you see throughout, that's just one example. You see throughout the book of Acts, how important discipleship is in the local church. So here's the question, and let's talk about this aspect of it. What can we learn about discipleship from the early church that we could apply as Christians today? Natalie, I'll start with you. Um, so in this time, again, we're in weird times, right? And I know yeah. I'm not alone when I say, for the first couple months, yeah, at first I was like, wow, look at all this extra time that I have that I could be applying to the Bible or be applying to my prayer life. You know, it's kind of nice to take a step back and just have time. But then it got like, nope, that didn't happen. And I got real dry. Um, and I know I wasn't the only one. I've talked to lots of people, um, even within our church, that just kind of said, I don't know what's going on, but you can feel the attack. And I think yeah. it truly has to do with the fact that we were not meeting. We were not having our fellowship. We were not having our discipleship groups. Um, and it's so important. And just looking at in Acts, the amount of times they mention that they gather together, every time Paul goes to a new place, he is overjoyed at seeing you know, his fellow, his Christians, the church. Every church he would visit, he just, you know, it was, it was good to see the prayer that they were in, the fellowship that they were in. They encouraged one another. Um, even when, um, you know, just recently in our readings, Paul is going to be going back into Jerusalem and he knows and they all know what's going to happen to him. And while they're saying, you know, 
I think their human selves are saying, please don't go. We don't want you to go. We know it's going to happen. And yet um, they understand and they still encourage him and they still show him love. And, and again, Paul is human. He even says, don't make me cry. Don't make me be sad about this. Um, you know, it's the Holy, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this with joy. I'm doing this, you know, for God, for Jesus. Um, and so I think that it's just very important that as a church, we pray for one another um, and we meet and we celebrate and we cry together and we, we do all of that together as in, in one, one family. Good. Lawrence. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the most incredible things about discipleship we see in the book of Acts is that it's a process. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a process for me to be a disciple of Jesus. It's a process as I'm discipling someone else. I think a lot of times we get carried away into thinking that there's going to be this immediate transformation. Um, but, you know, for example, like we see with Paul, he goes on a journey um, from being a persecutor of Jesus Christ to not really knowing anything. Ananias is pouring into his heart. He goes back to Jerusalem to try and minister. People are kind of afraid of him at first. They're like, what's happening here Barnabas kind of has to pull him to the side and teach him some more things and bring him before the apostles and say look this guy's legit he's trying to serve the Lord now um, later on when Paul and Barnabas were called to go on their first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13 they bring with them another young Christian named John Mark and we see that partway through the journey he kind of gave up and went home so much to the fact that later on when Paul and Barnabas were going to go back and visit all those churches, they had a disagreement about whether they should bring John Mark. But Barnabas thought, hey, we could continue to minister to this guy. Let's bring him along the journey. Mm -hmm. And Paul was like, I don't know. He gave up. Um, and so Paul ends up ministering to people like Timothy and Silas. Barnabas ends up taking along John Mark. And that John Mark, by the way, would go on later to write the book of Mark in the Bible. So clearly Barnabas not giving up on him was a good thing. Paul would go on later in one of his letters to mention John Mark and saying he's useful for the gospel. So we just see everybody is kind of at a different stage in this process and understanding that, you know, it's not going to be an immediate transformation necessarily. And maybe not everybody's on the same journey or at the same pace, but understanding that the goal is progress. Yeah. We're making progress. We're getting closer to being like Christ. We're getting closer to who he wants us to be both, you know, for myself, I've got to remember that. And the people that I'm trying to disciple and bring along with me, I keep that in mind. They may need a little bit more time. They may need a little bit more training. And I don't know that we can say, you know, when Paul and Barnabas disagree on John Mark, that either one of them was wrong. Maybe, you know, God's just calling Paul to move on to Timothy and Silas, minister to them, and God's calling Barnabas to continue ministering in the life of John Mark. Either mm -hmm. way, you know, the gospel was spread, and all of these men continued to grow in their relationship with Jesus. So, it, And you got, so Natalie mentions, it, when, when it comes to discipleship, the importance of people. Like, you really need the fellowship, the, the, the people, and even how that's, you see the importance of the people in her life in, in, in discipleship, right? And you see that throughout the book. And then you see, when you see discipleship, part of that is the process of it too. And how this is an ongoing thing. And for me and for um, the person I'm discipling or the person that's discipling me. So you have 
people, you've got process. So Ben, what is the importance of God's word in discipleship then? Um, well, it's the basis for all of the teachings and authority that's, it's, it's not, it goes beyond just, this is what I know and I'm going to tell you. It's, this is what I've learned through reading and studying and living out God's word. And this is how this can help you to do the same. Um, without God's word, then it's just either self-help or, you know, um, nice platitudes to try and make someone feel better. Whereas the word of God actually has the power to transform our hearts, to actually make life change instead of it just being, I'm trying my best or, or doing whatever I can. It's I'm tapping into the power of the spirit through the word of God into my life, into whatever circumstances I'm going through. Right. And we've seen one of my favorite parts of the book is how the word of God multiplied the word of God multiplied. It was the continual effort of the word of God that engaged people along the discipleship process and how all three of these aspects uh, and we didn't, we didn't rehearse this before, but you see there's, there's a part of discipleship that that's, important you, you can't have discipleship without people right the discipleship is teaching someone else you can't have discipleship without understanding the the process of it and the patience and um understanding that it's a work of jesus that he who began a good work in you will complete it and you can't have discipleship without god's word because then you're just hanging out right so discipleship is driven by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. That's a wonderful process that you get to do alongside of people. And that's why, and I think Natalie's right, why so many of us struggle during the, whatever we call those three months of not gathering, right? The, the dark ages, I don't know. So the six years of quarantine, the six years Blitz. of quarantine, what did you say? We're going to go Marv. We're going to go Marvel on it. It was the blip. It was the blip. So that, I think that's why so many of us struggle during the blip of, because we weren't being encouraged to get into the word. We were then not seeing the progress that God had been doing in us. Instead, we we're looking at the failures of, man, I, I'm just, it, it's, and I think coming out of that and then now seeing why discipleship is important is going to be help us the next time we face something that's challenging or difficult and, and seeing the need for God's word and, and other people and that this is a process of God working in my life. Now, part of discipleship throughout the book of Acts is, um, and I believe Natalie's already talked about this, how it just, the gospel just, it goes after anyone, right? It's not just the Jews, it's for the Gentiles too. It's for everyone. And it's very countercultural, right? So it's going to um, reach people that we would often maybe neglect. So people who are sick, diseased, and it hits on different classes of people. There's a stretch there where um, in, I think it's when um, Paul lands in Philippi, where you just get different people that help start this church 
I might be wrong there, but anyways, uh, one of the things that stuck out to me, and, and Natalie, I'll start with you on this because it mostly applies to you uh, in this group of four, is the, the role of women in the book of Acts. It's, it's seen throughout and how different women were used to help spread the gospel to start churches. Um, so speak on that for a little bit, the role, what, how God uses women in the book of Acts. I'll let Lawrence and Ben chime in as well, but. I love, I love that they mention. um, I know in this day and time, it's very, tries to be very women centric. Um, and I know that, you know, we were created the way that we were created, um, for a reason. And I think that you can see it beautifully along here. Um, we're included all the time. Women, women are, are, we're within the disciples. They are, um, going out, they're sharing the gospel. Um, and I wish that I could remember all of the names and acts, but there are many women that, um, that, that are recorded in there of having, um, either gone out and, and either, you know, worked in starting churches or have just, just spread the gospel or encouraged um, Paul. And um, I know that it, it wasn't just um, something, and it's not just something, I mean, this definitely shows this wasn't just something that men were supposed to do. And, and I know in the Jewish culture, um, women, you know, they had their place, they had their role, and it wasn't being the religious one. It wasn't being the one to, um, other than maybe sharing scripture with your child, with your children, um, that, that was kind of, that was kind of it. That concluded your, um, your, your outspokenness about scripture. Um, and these women were being bold and, and the Holy Spirit was with them. Um, and I think that it's so important for us to look at these women and see what they were doing um, and to try to replicate that in our own lives. Um, you know, I know a lot of the times, it, it, especially for mothers, it does work out that way where we're just so busy that right now, maybe our kids are our only, um, there are only people that we can uh, provide the gospel to or share the, the gospel to. But um, I think that it's also important to just pray, to, pray for boldness, just like all of these women did and were in that time. Yeah, I, I mean, you start in the first chapter where um, they returned from Jerusalem or returned to Jerusalem in verse 12. Um, they were all, verse 14, all of these, and you see all the names of the disciples, with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer uh, together with the women. I don't think it's put in there by accident. I think the Holy Spirit knows that this is different than the culture at hand together with the women they are praying and they you see mary and jesus and then you i mean you get to uh, just lydia in Acts 16 who paul goes into the temple and the in philippi and one of the first persons i believe it she might even be the first person to to speak with paul once he gets there one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, I mean, that's there's discipleship there, okay? 
she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay like you. And you see uh, uh, what many people believe is where a church started in her house. And I, I don't know if like maybe in our setting, oftentimes we, we don't, we don't see how God can use women to really transform communities and how even in the book of Acts, that important relationship is, is made there. Ben, Lawrence, you guys want to chime in on that? Um, I think similarly, a couple chapters later in 18, we find Paul meeting up with Aquila and Priscilla and he yes. stays with them for a long time and he's, they're tent makers and all this. But at the end of the chapter, Right. There's now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He's an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, instructed in the way of the Lord, and fervent in spirit, speaking boldly. And then in verse 26, it says, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Again, I don't think it's an accident. It could have easily said just Aquila, and he explained. But it names them both. It actually names Priscilla first in that, mm. that verse, and it says they took him and they're talking to this, you know, what sounds to me like the modern day, you know, a seminary graduate, right? Someone who knows the scriptures. He's, he's not just someone who's speaking out of um, ignorance, but they still have, they both have something to offer him and they do so immediately. It's not like a, oh, well, we'll just tell the other people when he leaves that he was wrong. They actually take the time to go to him. And it's, again, both of them, both husband and wife, not just a man talking to a man. Yeah, that, that's a good observation. Because it, it, because it, I think what we maybe fail to see in our, our churches today, and this is one of my goals as the pastor of our church, is really to equip women to be theologically grounded so they can teach other women also, which Paul says to um, um, Timothy, I believe, or Titus, one of the two, one of those books where he says, hey, faithful women teach women, younger women, like th this is a model of discipleship. So how, how can we have scripturally grounded women like Priscilla if we don't actually engage, engage them? And you see Paul kind of setting that model for us to en engage women with the gospel and encourage them to go and make disciples or even use what the resources that God has given them like their house to help start churches. Um, so I, I just thought, and I bring that up because there have been women in our church that have brought this up to me. Like I'm surprised at how many women are referenced in acts or in the entire Bible. And I'm like, yeah, God uses everybody that's willing to be used for his glory. Lawrence, anything you would like to add to that? Uh, yeah, I would just, you know, continue on the theme of the, the transformative power of the gospel and the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, because, you know, as we talked about, as much as this book mentions women alongside the men and the work that they were doing, that would have been extremely countercultural at the time the book of Acts was being written. Yeah. They they didn't write women's names down in history books. And if they did, it probably wasn't to say anything good. And they weren't going to put them alongside men who were doing great things. So the fact that the apostles 
didn't have that attitude. And I think even going back into reading the Gospels, you see Jesus having that attitude of wanting to include women and saying, look, maybe there's a d diversity of roles and diversity of skill sets, but we're all equal and we all have a contribution to the Gospel. And right. I think that it's learned that first from Jesus. And we see that, again, that transforming the culture and saying, no, these women are here working with us. They're in the trenches too. So, Yeah, it's just, it's really a lot of the whole book. You know, what we've talked about is why it's good for us to read today. So let's wrap this up. I want to go around the, the Zoom room here and ask one thing that you learned um, in your reading from the book of Acts, something that the Holy Spirit's just maybe impressed on your heart, that um, a lesson that you learned from Acts, keep it to like a sentence, all right? Um, Lawrence, I'll start with you. Uh, I would just say the power of prayer. It was incredible to me to, in this read through, to see how many times they gathered together in prayer or whenever there was a major issue, the first thing they did was let's gather together in prayer. Yeah. Um, and just saying maybe we should do that more often. Yeah, good. Natalie? Um, I think it's the call to be bold. Um, right now, more than ever, I think that God's putting on all of our hearts uh, kind of a, a lot of, um, he's really convicting us to be bold, share his gospel um, to everyone, not just some, but all. Good, good. All right, Ben. Um, the thing that stuck out to me reading through it is just how much the disciples, the apostles, as they're speaking, are always referring back to God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Almost every sentence they say in some way either points directly or indirectly to whatever the work of God is that's going on in the moment. Yep. And I think for me, it was um, the several instances where it says, and the word of God was multiplied. The word of God was multiplied. You, you uh, that really sets a a reminder for me that hey, this is a gospel work. This is not my work. It's not um, even a group of people's work. It is a gospel work that multiplies and brings lost sinners to salvation in Jesus Christ. So, um, some great resources as you read through the Book of Acts or um, as you're wrapping up. Is the Bible Project, you can watch their videos on YouTube, has some incredible content on the book of Acts that gives some um, a lot of historical information and it's well produced. It's um it's digital, um, I don't want to say cartoon, but it's a how would you describe it, Ben? Animation. A, animation, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. That really just tells the story of the book of Acts, and they've got lots of great resources. Um, outside of the book of Acts. And then you have um, um, like the ESV study Bible that helps get into some more of that historical aspect. It connects the book of Acts to the rest of the New Testament and helps you see like when Paul goes to Philippi and how that really brings to life the book of Philippians and Ephesus, the book of Ephesians. So uh, some great content there, great resources to help you read through and study the the book of Acts. Thanks for watching this episode of the Convos podcast. Um, it's a fun conversation to have with some friends about God's words. One of my favorite things to do. 
Um, and I look forward to sharing more content in the weeks to come, more conversations that we've got planned. And if you've got a conversation that you would like for me to have with someone about some topic, you can go to the convospodcast.com and submit a conversation and we'll do our best to record it. So be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, um, iTunes podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts and then give us a, a good review. Give us five stars. No, we don't take less than four so or less than five and give us a five and then share it with your friends. And if you haven't read the book of Acts recently, be sure to jump in it and read through it soon. Thanks for watching and we'll have a conversation with you again very soon. God bless.